0: Wow, how many of you found that to be incredibly depressing? (laughs) One person out of that entire video, one person said, I'm deeply rooted in Christian faith and my purpose in life is to glorify God in all that I do. I don't know if you caught what the one young man said because there was laughter right before that. But he said, uh, My purpose in life is just to keep doing and doing until I get it over with. How productive do you think that young man is going to be in whatever he puts his hand to in life? How much joy do you think he's going to bring to his family and to those around him going through life, just feeling like I'm just doing and doing until I get it over with? Incredibly sad. But I want to ask you this morning, is there really a purpose in life for you and me? Or are the people on that video right? Does God really have a plan for you? Does He have a will for you and me? And if so, why in the world does it seem so hard to find? You know, I've heard some people try to describe finding God's will for their life and they... Describe it as a game of cosmic hide and seek. That God seems to be playing games with them. You know, you want to find me? I'm over here. And then when you come to look for him, he runs somewhere else and hides and says, Oh, I'm over here. Some people have described finding God's will as a spiritual Easter egg hunt. That God seems to take some kind of weird pleasure in hiding his will and his purpose for you in these obscure places Hoping that you'll never find them. Others have described trying to find God's will as the old carrot on the stick. You know, many years ago when someone, when people used to ride mules a lot, mules are stubborn and a lot of times they couldn't get them to move. So they would get a long stick and hang a string on the end of it and tie a big juicy carrot on the end of it. And then they'd get on the mule and they'd dangle that carrot in front of the mule And his eyes would look at that thing and he'd start walking towards it. Well, as soon as he walked, of course the carrot would move in front of him. And he'd walk and walk and walk, hoping to get that carrot and eventually get where the owner needed him to go, but he'd never get the carrot. And some people feel that that's the same thing God is doing with uh, trying to keep His will for their life obscured and just barely out of reach. So I want to ask you this morning, does God really have a plan for your life? Take your Bibles, please, if you have them, and turn to a very familiar passage of Scripture in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. And who can tell me what verse? 11. <clears throat> told you it was well known. Now, we're going to do something a little odd this morning. I'm going to ask you to turn there and go ahead and just keep your place there and take notes or whatever you want to do. And we're going to come back to that verse at the end of the message today. You know, whenever um, whenever you take a road trip to a place that you've never been before, what's the one thing you make sure you have with you before you set out on a trip to find a place you've never been to? Well, if it's, if it's for me, I don't trust MapQuest that much anymore. <laughs> they send me all these odd turns that I didn't really need to take. But if, it's, if, if you're like me, I make sure that I either have a map or I have directions that somebody has given to me so that while I'm on the road, I'll know what signs to look for so that I'll know when to turn left when to turn right and when to stay straight I would never think of setting out on a cross-country journey without a mat something to point me in the right direction and what we're going to do today is begin a brand new series entitled road signs to finding God's will and it's my prayer that over the next several weeks as we embark on this new series that this will be just practical good old meat and potatoes like they say here in the South. Just hands-on Bible teaching. We're not going to get into you know fancy theology this time around. We're going to get into stuff that I hope you'll be able to sink your teeth into and go home and go, you know what? That, that just really clicked with me today. And I can take what I heard today and I can put it into practice tomorrow and the day after that one of the questions that I hear a lot from people from people here and elsewhere is how do I know if I'm in God's will? how do I know? I think I am how can I be sure and can I ever really know for sure well as I said any journey that you've never been on before requires directions. It requires us to look for signs to help us find our way. But you know, signs in life <clears throat> are not uh, are not always easy to understand, are they? I mean, every once in a while you'll see a sign that just doesn't make much sense at all. Um, I found some old photographs of some of these kinds of signs. I wanted to share them with you today. Now, these will be hard to read because they're old pictures and they're kind of blurry. This one's very helpful. It says, <clears throat> "It says caution, water on road during rain. That's a tremendous help. I'm glad they said that. This sign is out in the middle of a desert, it looks like, and it says, absolutely nothing next 22 miles. <laughs> got something to look forward to there now this one I don't get at all it says parking for drive through service only I don't know what that means how about this one soft shoulder blind curve steep grade big trucks good luck now here's one I like it says no stopping anytime and they have put it 15 feet in front of a stop sign I imagine there's some very confused motorists at that intersection. This one says entrance only, do not enter. Nobody's getting in there. This one's really hard to see. Um, It says notice, no signs allowed at this intersection. I'm wondering if it includes that one. I don't know. I'm guessing they mean those little signs that people staple up on the post now this is just cruel illiterate right for free help. <laughs> that's terrible and even at the bottom it says illiteracy foundation and gives their address <clears throat> Now this is one of my favorites. I know this is hard to read, but this is out on a desert road. I mean, just miles of nothing out there. And it says, emergency phone, 174 kilometers ahead. (laughs) Great day. Let's hope it's not a real bad emergency. You know, as you go through life, you you see all kinds of signs, and and most of them are helpful, and, and some... In, in this case, are just not helpful at all. And as we go on our spiritual journey, on our pursuit of God, of trying to, trying to follow Him and, and walk in His ways and do His will, how do we know which signs to look for? I mean, as we're, as we're cruising through life, doing our best to walk with God, do we even know what signs to look for? To help us find God's will. Well, during this series, I'm going to bring to you a number of road signs that I think we can very easily uh, relate to our spiritual journey to help us find God's will. As odd as it may sound, the very first road sign that you and I must come to if we're going to find God's will, the very first one, is the one that you see on the screens in front of you. It's the yield sign. The yield sign. You know, on the streets, the yield sign means to slow down or stop if necessary in order to give someone else the right of way. Some of you are already making the connection between the street sign and our spiritual life. The word yield means to surrender, to concede to give up or to submit and in our spiritual life the yield sign means that we must reach a point where we submit, we concede we surrender our own will to God's will in spiritual language the yield sign means settling the lordship question who really is in control of my life? Me or God? And this is the first place that you and I must come to if we're ever to follow the right signs and find God's will for our life. Who is in control? Who's driving the car? Who's in charge? Who's calling the shots? Me or God? Mark 8.34, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must <coughs> deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I want to tell you this morning that God can do absolutely nothing through you until you yield yourself to him. Now, I know I, I wrestled with that for a long time because, you know, you read in the Psalms where it says, when I consider the uh, the heavens, the moon and the stars, the that you've ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him? You know, I'm just this little puny thing down here, and God is so awesome and powerful. How in the world can I stop God from doing anything? But you know what God gave us when He created us? A free will. Because He wanted to know that we would choose Him and not just follow Him like mindless robots through life. And so we have this issue of our free will, which is at play. And our will is constantly competing with God's will for our life. It's constantly at war, back and forth. Paul said himself, The things that I shouldn't do, I seem to keep on doing. And the things that I should do, I never seem to do. There's this, there's this war within me. And the same is true in your life and mine. One of the reasons some people never find God's will is because they think that yielding to God's will means saying, "All right, God, show me your will for my life and then I'll decide if I want to do it or not. That's not yieldedness. That's bartering with God is what that is. You and I have to reach a point in our life where we come to grips with this yield sign. And we're not willing to just give a little to God, but we're willing to totally yield ourselves to Him. Our past, our present, and our future to Him. And as I was thinking through this and putting this message together, I thought of a number of things that can keep us from totally yielding our lives to God. And I boil it down, and and you can add some things to this list, but I came up with five things that I think may be the, the top five things that will keep us from totally yielding our lives to God. These are not in any particular order. But the first one I listed is pride. Pride. You remember when God, the Word of the Lord came to to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to get up and I want you to go to Nineveh, a city filled with heathens and I want you to preach the gospel to them. Jonah said, Me? Go to Nineveh? Not a chance. There's no way that I'm going to preach to those scum in Nineveh. They're lowlifes. They're sinners. They're rotten. As far as I'm concerned, they can rot and go to hell. I'm not going. See, Jonah had a pride issue. He thought he was too good to go and do what God had called him to do. There was another man in the Old Testament called Naaman... And uh, the Bible says that Naaman was a was a powerful military leader and he was the king of Aram. And um, this guy was a big wheel. And one day he came down with leprosy, which as I've told you before in that culture meant that you were separated from that point on, from everybody. And now Naaman looks at himself and he has this leprosy all over his body and he hears of this prophet and uh, he goes and, and says to, uh, first to the king and then to Elisha the prophet. And uh, he says to him, you know, basically, Hey, can you like wave your hand over me and say some words and make all this stuff disappear? And, you know, it's funny that God always touches people at their, at their problem point. And Naaman had a problem with pride. And Elisha in effect said, Nope, can't wave my hand over you, can't say any fancy words. If you want to get rid of your leprosy, you have to go down to the smelly old Jordan River and you have to dip yourself in that river seven times. What did Naaman do? He freaked out. What? You know who I am? I'm the king of Aram. I'm a mighty military man. You want me to go down and and, and wash myself seven times in that dirty Jordan River? And he refused to do it. And finally had a change of heart and went and did exactly what Elisha said. I heard one preacher, uh, preacher message on that. He called it seven ducks in a muddy river. I've never forgotten that. He had to go duck himself seven times in that dirty water, and guess what? When he came up the seventh time, his leprosy was gone. His pride, for a while, kept him from doing what God wanted him to do. Old Peter even late into his life resisted God's call to set aside his old Jewish legalism. Remember that? He struggled with it even towards the end of his life, wrestling with, I can't eat these foods and I can't associate with these people. And his pride as a Jew almost kept him from doing what God wanted him to do. Has that ever happened to you? Pride? God says, I want you to serve here in the church. I want you to do that. And you go, "Um, you know, I'm really, I'm not going to do that. I mean, somebody else can keep the nursery. I'm, you know, That's not my thing. I'm above that. Teach a, a little kid Sunday school class? Mm, no. Nah, nah. I'll do something else. Witness to that person over there? No. I'm not doing that. I've already shared my story with you on how I blew that. I'm not going to repeat it, even though you wish I would. But... Um, it's just so easy for us to allow pride in our life to keep us from yielding ourselves to what God has called us to do. James 4.6, you know it well. It said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. I mentioned this point because uh, I just felt impressed to put it in. But I mentioned it first because I just wanted to kind of hit it and then move on to the others. I don't think that this is a big issue in this, in this church with you folks. I, I don't think it is. I, I know most of you. And um, the reason that this church is what it is today is because you are so willing to do whatever God has asked you to do. And that's one of the reasons that this church exists today and why God is using us. But I mentioned that because maybe there's someone here who is really struggling with the pride issue and you just can't get past it between you and God. I would encourage you, if that is one of the things that's keeping you from totally yielding your life to God to find His will, I would encourage you to spend time with God and dealing with that. Well, the second thing that we see that can keep us from finding God's will and from totally yielding ourselves to Him is fear. Fear. This is a big one. It's huge among believers. I've struggled with this for years. You remember when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush and He laid out His plans for what He wanted Moses to do? <clears throat> Moses began making excuses immediately. I numbered them one time. He made six excuses to God of why he could not do what God was calling him to do. Six excuses. Why? Because he was scared out of his pants. That's why. Go to the Pharaoh and stand before him and say, let my people go. Thanks God, but that scares me just a little bit. I'll just keep tending the sheep if you don't mind. Remember when the angel appeared to Gideon? and told Gideon what he wanted him to do, Gideon tried five times to get out of it. Five times. Because he was terrified. The Bible says he was hiding out when the angel appeared to him. Because he was afraid. He was scared to death. You know, Here's the thing about finding God's will. If you're here today and you really can say with honesty, man, I want to know God's will for my life. I'd give anything to find that out. I want to tell you something on this issue of fear that's very, very important. You will never yield to God if you don't trust Him. And you can never trust God until you know Him. If a total stranger comes to me and uh, rings my doorbell in the middle of the night and says to me, you need to come with me right now uh, we've got to go uh, to, to downtown Greenville, to the worst part where all the crimes occur, and we've got to we've got to go through some back alleys together. I'm going to go. nah, I'm not going to do that, you know. But if a person I trust with my life comes to me in the middle of the night and says, "Listen, I can't explain this. You have got to trust me. We've got to go downtown. We've got to we've got to wind our way through some bad back alleys in the dark. I can't explain it. You just got to come with me." Guess what I'll do? I'll go. What's the difference? Same situation, same call, but I trust one of them and I don't trust the other one. Why? Because I know one of them and I don't know the other one. You know, one of the greatest hindrances to you following God and doing what He's called you to do in your life is because you don't know Him well enough to know that He is completely trustworthy completely trustworthy we fear so much what God is going to ask us to do and our lack of willingness to follow God's leading shows a mistrust of God's intent for us it truly does how many of you have ever thought this in your own heart or you've heard somebody else say this, but if I if I go forward during this invitation or if I yield to God's calling for my life, what if He sends me to China as a missionary? <laughs> now be honest. Have you ever thought that? I have. What if I surrender my life to God? I mean, I feel God calling me to do this and to surrender but what if? What if God sends me to to Tibet, you know, to live in the mountains? That would be horrible. And those thoughts come from a mistrust of God. I want to tell you this morning, folks, God's plans for you are infinitely better than your plans for yourself. They're infinitely better. God will never lead you where He cannot sustain you. Never. Never. God is not up in the sky rubbing His hands together going, Oh, have I got an assignment for you. I'm going to make you so miserable. Is that the picture we have of God? Would I ever do that to my son or daughter? Never. Not in a million years. And if you are struggling with fear about following God's will for your life, I would suggest to you this morning that the place you start is not dealing with the fear, but spending more time getting to know your Heavenly Father. Because I want to tell you, the more that you get to know Him, the more you will see His character shining through the more you will see how much He loves you and has the very best plans for your life. I still remember the day when God brought some people into our lives and Sandy and I sat there at the table, at the dinner table. And these people said to us, we want you to pray about moving to Lawrenceville to help start a church and I remember the fear that swept over me because I thought Lawrenceville where is that and how in the world will all this work out you know I've moved my whole life I don't want to pack up and move again and and Sandy was born and raised in Greenville and she has everything here and I, I became Overwhelmed with fear at this call that God had placed on our life, and I knew it's what He wanted us to do. And we did that for what two years, driving back and forth there every weekend. I knew without a doubt God wanted me to do it, but I was filled with fear. And what helped me with that was not, you know, reading motivational books or trying to psych myself up. Come on, we can do this, you know, that doesn't work. I remember going back and studying more about the character of God and going, you know what? God loves me more than anybody in the universe. If God is calling me to follow him to to do something, whatever it is, I can trust him. I can trust him. And trust always replaces fear. Is there anything in your life this morning that God is asking you to do and you're scared to death about it? You're not alone. I would encourage you to spend time getting to know your Heavenly Father and it will erase all fear. Well, we need to move on quickly. Not only can pride and fear keep us from totally yielding ourselves to God, but your past can keep you from totally yielding yourself to God. So many times in our lives God speaks to us and asks us to obey him, to step out, to do something, to take a leadership role in the church, to help out in some way. And Satan comes to us and says, "Oh, you you're not worthy to do that stuff. Don't you remember your past?" Don't you remember who you used to be? In fact, don't you remember what you did last week? But I want to tell you, God seems to delight in taking the worst of us and using us to do great things for Him. You remember um, Abraham. he was a pagan. Came from a horrible, wicked city. He was also a liar. And yet God called him and used him to start a a great nation. Moses was a murderer and a fugitive. And yet God used him. David was an adulterer and a murderer. And yet God used him and called him a man after God's own heart. Paul was... Spent his life persecuting Christians. And yet God called him and used him to be one of the greatest missionaries who has ever lived. If you don't think that God can use you because of your past, can I just encourage you today and tell you that that is a lie from the enemy? That is absolutely not true. I was talking to some of you last night about the, these verses just came to mind last night when we were chatting. And uh, I went home and put them into this place in the sermon here. It was a perfect fit from 1 Corinthians. And I go to these verses all the time. I've shared them with you many times. Where Paul writes in 1 Corinthians one twenty six, he says, Brothers, he's speaking to Christians, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential, not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Why? So that no one may boast before him. Your past should never keep you from going forward with God and doing what He's asking you to do. Because I want to tell you today, folks, however big your past is, God's grace is bigger. Amen? God's grace is so much bigger than your past. I thank God for His tremendous grace. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 reminds us that in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Here's a thought that came to mind as I was putting this message together. I jotted it down. Maybe it will mean something to you. God specializes in making bright tomorrows out of dark yesterdays. Isn't that an awesome thought from God? God specializes in making bright tomorrows out of dark yesterdays maybe some of you here today are haunted day and night by your yesterdays by your past and they're, they're like anchors tied around your neck keeping you from ever being able to rise above and move forward folks listen your past is not a prelude to your future it may be with the world it may be on your resume But I want to tell you, with God, your past is not a prelude to your future. Isn't that good news? Isn't that just awesome news to know that all of our past has been washed in the blood of Christ and He's given us a bright future? Not only your past can keep you from totally yielding yourself to God, but fourthly, your plans or your possessions can keep you From following God. I, um, as most of you know, I started a computer business many years ago and got it up and running and and it took off, and man, we were doing great and just uh, having a ball. And I remember when God began speaking to me saying, I want you to give that up and I want you to do something else. I remember thinking, but you know, wait a second, I've laid all these plans out for the future. I've mapped my business out and we're ahead of schedule on that and I've mapped my future out and financially and everything was just cruising along great and God kept tapping me on the shoulder. Every time I'd go to a meeting, every time I'd drive or fly somewhere, I'd hear God saying, Phil, you're not doing what I want you to do. I want you to give this up. And I was like, man, I cannot give this up. I have no idea what I would do next. And my plans were keeping me From totally yielding to God. And I'll tell you this much. If God's really calling you to do something, I would suggest to you that you listen to Him the first time around. Rather than resisting and resisting and resisting. Because it's very hard when God pulls the rug out from under you in your life. Maybe some of you have experienced that. I have. And it's a horrible thing. But my plans kept me from yielding to God maybe your plans or your possessions are weighing you down and keeping you from following God you know when I think of this I always think of the story of um, the, the man the rich man in Mark chapter 10 I just want to read this for you real quick Mark chapter 10 starting in verse 17 it says as Jesus started on his way a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him good teacher he asked what must I do to inherit eternal life Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, Jesus said. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man said, I have kept all of these since I was a boy. Wow. I love verse 21. I wish I could crawl inside jesus head and see what he was thinking when he said this but the bible says jesus looked at him and loved him you know why i think the guy had done a pretty good job of keeping all of those things i think he was being honest about it i don't think he was being arrogant i think he'd probably done a good job and jesus looked at him and must have thought "Mm, you've come so close but watch what happens jesus said this one thing you lack go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come follow me watch this at this the man's face fell he went away sorrowful because he had great wealth Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God you see Jesus has this remarkable ability when you and I come to him and we say Lord look look I'm, I'm following you in all of these areas over here don't you see how good I'm doing look Jesus aren't you proud of me and Lord I'm totally yielded to you I've given everything to you Jesus has this amazing ability to cut through all of that and get right to the one thing in our life that we still have not given to him and he saw that this was a good young man who had been keeping all the Jewish commandments and traditions but his possessions were the one thing that he could not yield in order to follow God and Jesus just put his finger right on that in such a gentle loving way and said to him this one thing you lack take all that money of yours all that wealth give it away to the poor and then you'll be ready to come follow me and it says the man's face fell can you imagine his face fell and he went away sorrowful because he had great wealth Jesus had touched the one thing in his life that he had not yielded. Let me ask you something. Is there anything in your life, plans or possessions, that you've not yet yielded to God? Nothing wrong with making plans, but as James says, make sure you always say, if it is God's will, we will do this and that. Don't let your plans or your possessions keep you From doing what God wants you to do. And finally this morning, the fifth thing that I think can keep us from totally yielding ourselves to God's will and following Him, oddly enough, are people. People. You know, here's the thing that I've found. Whenever God calls you to follow Him, there's always going to be somebody who thinks it's a bad idea. You can count on it. Somebody is going to think you're a kook. They're going to think you're a complete nutcase for doing it. Can you imagine Noah hearing God's instruction to go out and build this massive ship because it was going to rain and everybody's going, what's rain again? Because the Bible says it never rained on the earth up to that point. The earth was watered by a heavy dew every day and Noah's out there day after day I mean he got on it, he obeyed God just think about this building that ark day after day month after month and this massive structure begins to emerge can't you just see all the smart alecks in his uh, subdivision driving by on their chariots honking the horn going Woo-hoo, Moses, yeah yeah, good job building the ship Good one, Moses. Good, no, Noah. Sorry, not Moses. Good one, man. Great job, Noah. Yeah, and don't you know that he was the talk of the town? Don't you know it was headline news? There's this nut obeying God, building an ark. I'm sure the criticism that he took from people was just unbelievable. Joshua and Caleb. Remember when the spies were sent over to survey the land? Joshua and Caleb came back. They said, "We can do this." And all the others said, no, we can't. They were the only two who trusted God. There will always be people who try to talk you out of doing what God has called you to do. And I want to tell you, that's tough. To me, that's tougher than dealing with the fear issue. It's tougher than any of these other things that we've talked about. People. And you know who it usually is? People closest to you. Because they know you. And they love you, and generally they they want the best for you. And I I cannot even recall the number of times in my life when God has said, Phil, I want you to do X. And I've said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And I've had people come to me and go, Phil, um, I don't think that's the best thing for you to do. And I tell you, that's when the war really starts. That's when it really began. Am I going to follow God or am I going to listen to people? Now, there's nothing wrong with getting wise counsel, but I will tell you this. If God has called you to do something, He will make those who truly can give wise counsel line up with what He's called you to do and confirm it in your life. So be careful who you get counsel from. Well, I wish we had more time to, to dig through this, but we don't. I need to quit. Be, be very careful in your life, folks, about people. As we move through this series, I'm going to give you some pointers on how you can really know if it's God speaking to you or if it's just the bad pizza that you ate last night. Uh, and it will help you be able to discern some of these things. but. Be very, very careful listening to to people who are negative about what you know God has asked you to do. I'm going to tell you, I've told you this before about a year ago. God's calls seldom make sense. How do you like that? They seldom make sense. When God calls you to follow him, it's probably not going to make financial sense. It's probably not going to make sense uh, from a career standpoint. I mean, just everything. You're going to look at it and go, well, that makes totally no sense, so let's go do it because I know God's calling me to do it. So let me ask you, as you see these five things on the screen in front of you, is there any one of those areas that God is bringing to mind right now that you know is a problem? We need to be willing to yield ourselves totally to God's will That's the starting point. I remember when Sandy and I were dating and we were starting to get serious. I still remember exactly in the car. I was in my in my car and she was sitting next to me and we were talking about the future and all these things. And I said, I've just gotta know. I've gotta know where her heart is. And I said to her, Sandy, you know, I feel like God is calling me to to do this and that and um I said, I don't know where it's going to lead. I don't know if I'm going to be on the mission field one day or what. But I said, you need to ask yourself and you need to let me know, are you willing, would you be willing, if God called me to do this, to spend the rest of your life living in a mud hut in Africa somewhere? You go, hey, good job, Phil. That's the way to get the babes, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah you know I had to know and of course she immediately said yes because I'm such a stud you know who would say no y'all laugh at the wrong times that wasn't a joke I mean who could say no to this right pride well, you know, of course I knew it was it was God telling her to say yes because, you know, who, who would say yes to this? And some guy asking her if she wants to live in a mud hut. What a great proposition for the future. And she said, yes, I would. And I knew right then that, it, you know, I was dating a woman whose heart was yielded to whatever God wanted her to do. Um, years ago when Sandy and I were... Going through some big, big changes in our lives To follow God I struggled through a lot of these things That you see here And um, I I reached a point where I did something one day And I want to close by sharing this with you It may be kind of hokey to you But it's meant a lot to me I realized that what I was doing Was I was bartering with God I was saying, okay God I won't give up my business But I'll teach a Sunday school class How will that work for you? God said it won't work at all. And I realized that I had to come to a point where my contract with God had no terms on it whatsoever. you understand? And so what I did, I know this may sound kind of dumb, but but I sat down and I got a piece of paper, this piece of paper right here. And I um, entitled it, My Contract with God. And I signed it and I dated it. And I left it completely blank. And I pull it out every once in a while and I look at it. And you know what it does? It just reminds me, God, here's my life. Take it and use it however you see fit. I have no terms. I have no conditions. Are you willing to totally yield yourself to God. I want to tell you, folks, that's the starting point. That's the first road sign to finding God's will. Let's pray. Father, what an awesome thought it is for me that you not only created us in your image, but you didn't just leave us here, you have plans for us. And Lord, in trying to hurry through this and close, we didn't even read the verse that I asked the folks to turn to, but your word says in Jeremiah 29.11, God said, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And Lord, a God like that is worth trusting our lives to. And so I just pray, Father, today that if there's anyone here who really wants to know your will for their life, I pray that they would deal with this first road sign today and that they would realize that they'll never move forward with you until they've totally yielded everything to you. As someone once said, you are either Lord of all or you are not Lord at all. Help us with this, Father. It's not easy. But I pray there'd be some here today, maybe a few, who would really get this and it would change their lives forever. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.